Greetings, everyone, and welcome to episode 69 of Teaching Tales, the podcast totally devoted to sharing stories from the world of education. I am Brent Coley, an elementary principal in beautiful Southern California. It's been a while since our last episode. I want to say end of August, I believe, but we're back, and I'm super excited today because joining me is Ashley Burnett. Ashley, I'm going to have her give you a little background in a second, but Ashley works at my school, and I've been thinking for a while I wanted to have her on as a guest. So, Ashley, thank you for sitting down. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. I know that that you have listened, been a supporter of the podcast, so thank you very much. You're welcome. And so... I know about you, Ashley, but for anyone listening, give give listeners, give my mom and dad, who I know are listening, some, who is Ashley? Well, I am, like you said, I work here at Alta with you, and I am normally a special education assistant working in our SDC mild mod classrooms, and I'm just now finishing up my student teaching in a third grade general education classroom, so I'm about two and a half weeks out from being finished with that assignment and having my credential and I'll be back in the SDC classroom and see where that takes me. And and, and I understand that our time with you is limited because you will not, you are going to get a job in a classroom very soon because you, you are fantastic and, but we will, we will hold on to you as long as we can, as long as we can. Bittersweet. Yeah. Well, you, you, you do a fantastic job as, as, as an instructional aide in in your full time role, and and now I know Lori speaks super highly of you, and mm. I was just in there yesterday. You're doing amazing things. So today, you know, every episode, as you know, has a, a theme. We wanted to talk about, as you mentioned, you're about two weeks out from finishing your student teaching, and we were talking a couple of days ago about. I was remembering my student teaching experience and thinking. When I did it, I had to do two semesters of student mm-hmm. teaching. And I remember f- after finishing the first semester, thinking to myself, even as somebody in my early 20s, thinking, oh my gosh, I can't believe how green I was. <laughs> yeah. I can't believe how much I didn't know. Right. And now how much I do, how, how much I learned after that first semester. And then I compared that to after finishing the second semester, thinking, oh my gosh, if I thought I was green at the... I, I didn't know anything. I, I mean, how right. much more did I grow? So you, what have you learned? Which is a very broad question. But like what's kind of, what have been to your takeaways so far that if somebody was listening and could could glean from your experience? Yeah. I know you, you've jotted down some ideas to <laughs> yes, share, which I love. you. student and teacher in me you are have amazing. taken notes. Yes. So, so what, um, what do you think? What do you well, want to share? Well, to touch on what you said about being more green, as you're saying that, I'm thinking you're saying I'm, I was more green before I started. And I feel like it's fair to say I'm less green day to day and not just or week to week. Mm-hmm. So as I've reflected back um, and as I really started to do when we decided to have this conversation, realizing that I'm learning every day from my mistakes, from my master teachers, from my students, from you, from from all the colleagues here. Um, And I hope to keep that sense of reflection, knowing that I hope to never arrive. I need to keep growing because if I'm not able to grow, um, how can I expect to provide growth for my students? 
We so, ask that for our kids. That right. You're always, I, I love the phrase, your reach should always exceed your grasp. Yeah. That, yeah. that you should, and I think you're, you'll never get, I think if I'm going to say it this right, you'll never get there. Right. Because as soon as you get there, your there now becomes here. Mm-hmm. And the there changes. For anyone listening, if you follow me there, yes. it's like as soon as well, I, I, you're never going to get there because as soon as you arrive there, it's now you're here and your right. goal changes or at least it should. And I love what you said there that yeah. you never want to stop reflecting on how can I get better. And I think the goal is just every day be better than you were yesterday. Right, right. So, And at what point is when you've gotten to best, there's still better because you're always growing. If, so that's if, how I see it. Well, and, I, and I would agree. And I think that most people listening would agree that I, I believe as soon as you think you're there, it's time to quit. It's time to quit. Yeah. It's, you, sh- it's, yes. you, need, you need to leave yes. because that means you're done growing and we wouldn't be satisfied with our students being done growing. Right. So why should we accept that for ourselves? Absolutely. So, but, Agreed. But back to you. So yes. what, 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 what have you learned? Well, what a you loaded know, question. What have <laughs> I learned? I've learned quite, quite a bit. Again, as I went through and started really reflecting, I thought, well, I don't know that we're going to talk for three it's hours. It's a six-part episode. Right. There's so much to say. So I did try and kind of break it down. But I think one thing that was a huge takeaway for me is to come in with a lens of looking at what I want my students to learn and not what I want to teach. Mm. Um, For me, it was, I think I don't know what I'm going to teach until I know what they need to learn. And again, I'm I'm very very philosophical. But for me, I needed to know what they needed to learn. So it became important to start to really look at the standards, look at the curriculum, um, get to know my students and how they learned. Um, And through that, I was able then to decide it helped with lesson planning how how can I reach them what do I need what's the objective what's Mm -hmm. the the desired student learning outcome that I'm trying to get from them um, or out of them or for them really what do I want them to know after this and so that helped me to then say well like I know we're talking a lot about bringing technology and Minecraft and all these things and it's easy to say Minecraft, I don't have time. I have all of mm-hmm. these units I have to cover. But if I know what they need to learn, I was able then to say, could they learn that through Minecraft? Mm-hmm. Could they learn that through Legos? Could they learn that through, I don't know, F- tell me. Fill in the blank. You what do me. you, how do you want yes. to demonstrate yes, what Yes, because that's was, that was kind of the cornerstone of how I look at how I'm, how I'm teaching now and hope to continue to teach is what do I want them to get out of this versus what do I want to teach them? Because it's not really about what I want to teach. It's about, or what I need to teach. It's mm-hmm. about what do, what am I trying to provide and how can I facilitate that for students? And everybody's coming to the table in different places. Right. And I think your point is, you're, as you're saying that, I'm thinking, yeah, if you, okay, this is what I, this is what I'm teaching today, but what if they're not Mm-hmm. What if they're not ready for that? Mm-hmm. Or what if this group of students isn't ready for that? The one size fits all approach right. doesn't, and that's, doesn't work. And that was huge because it did kind of allow me to um, differentiate in ways 
that offered an entry point for students who maybe needed a different entry point. Mm -hmm. And I was able then to offer them, or I still am, able to offer them making rigor kind of accessible for students who otherwise would not be given one entry point. But without knowing what they needed to learn, I'm not able to see different entry points. Can you, can, do you have an example of what that, what that might have looked like? I know that's putting you on the spot, but. Well, I actually have, this isn't about me so much, but something that I heard in a PD that I want to sh I'll touch on that I thought mm -hmm. was brilliant. It helped me to kind of see it. Um, I'm big on analogies, and so that kind of helped me. So I listened to um, Katie Novak, and she was talking about uh, UDL. And I hope I don't butcher this, but she was talking about um, if you had a dinner party with 10 to 12 guests. This is great. I know you where you're going. This do, is so good. Not, yes. This is so good. <laughs> so you have all these people coming, and maybe you don't know them all that well, and you serve up a casserole. And some people can't have dairy, or they just don't like, you know, maybe they're a vegan. They don't like cheese. Who knows? Yep. If I serve up a buffet, not everyone can eat. Or I'm sorry, if I serve up a casserole, not everybody can eat. However, if I provide a buffet, everybody has something they can eat. And so kind of flipping that back into the classroom, less casserole, more buffet. So how can I provide something for everyone? So to me, that looks like knowing that, you know, one student may need me to sit down and, and give them sentence stems or, mm -hmm. you know, um, real world examples. You know, you just yesterday, they were having a hard time with um, dividing. And so we, I just said, have you ever played Uno? Who's dealing out the cards? When they do that, one for me, one for you, that's dividing. And they're able to see that. And I know mm. that certain students needed that. And they needed that to get to where, you know, they needed to be. Others didn't need that. So I was able, you know, in looking at what's the end result I'm looking for. And which is where I think is not always the case, mm -hmm. but I know that we've talked about mm -hmm. recently in, in ours, exactly what you just said, some of our professional development is what's the learning objective? Mm -hmm. What do you want them to learn? Yeah. You have to start there and backward, backward mask, back, backward mask it, backward plan it. Yeah. And I, I love that analogy about the casserole versus the buffet. And we, in some, one of our, uh, administrators meetings recently, we're talking about that too. Same analogy came oh, up and cool. I just, Love it Me because too. we hear differentiation, yeah. which is buzzword. It, it's a buzzword in yeah. education. Uh -huh. It's important. I mean, it's Absolutely. like, but when you think, wow, 25 different students mm -hmm. in your classroom yes. right now yep. to, 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 to 20, so 20, to design 25 different lessons it's, is let's be, it's impossible. No, yeah, you're not going to be, because no. you're going to have 25 different entry points. So rather than attempting to do that, why not design mm -hmm. the learning experiences so that they are accessible to all the buffet? Yes. So, so for example, you mentioned Minecraft. Yes. What do you want them to learn? I want them to learn this. So let's, let's say it's a solar system yeah. unit or something mm -hmm. like you want them to learn about one of the planets or something like mm -hmm. that, rather than putting them in a box, give them choices. Mm -hmm. I want to demonstrate my learning by making a video. I want them to, de I want to demonstrate the learning by writing a story. Yeah. I want to demonstrate it by creating a, 
hip hop dance or a rap or building it in Minecraft or or it's, but giving them that option. Mm -hmm. And now you've given everybody a seat at the table. Right. Right. And because I know what the outcome, the desired outcome is, you're able to offer that. And that was something that was huge for me. And, um, just noticing that my master teacher, who's amazing. Yes, she uh, Shout out Lori oh Poliska. The best. So I'm so fortunate. But, um, you know, she she comes at it from that angle. And so mm-hmm. I was able to um, kind of see that. I'm fortunate that I've had experience in special education. So I do have that idea. I already kind yeah. of had the idea of small group meeting individual needs. But again, it's not possible to meet 25 different students' needs. But having options and being, I think, flexible and allowing them to um, show you how they learned. No, but always having that outcome in mind yeah. was huge for me. Rather than starting, well, today we're doing page right X yes. on, of the teacher's manual and everybody right. is going to do it exactly this mm-hmm. way because that's just, you're going to lose some of the kids who are struggling. Mm-hmm. You're going to lose some of the kids who are advanced yep. uh, or right. because they're going to be they bored need yep. they need more and teaching to the middle we need to teach more to the margins so right. and again yes. much more philosophical what <laughs> yes. what yeah what else what else do um have? you know i went into a room with flexible seating and um which Lori talked about in episode two episode two if you want to yeah, go back she, she talks That's about that uh-huh um and you know i didn't really know i wasn't a complete stranger to flexible seating i wasn't I wouldn't say leery, but I just wasn't, I didn't really know what it would look like. And so mm-hmm. I was I was excited to be given the opportunity to be in there because I know that's something that's, um, you know, a lot of people are putting that into the classroom now. So I saw the huge advantages of flexible seating. And I think I had kind of a common misconception. I'm thinking there's going to be like 20 chairs rocking in a different way at a different time. And there's kids bouncing on balls and everyone's writing on a clipboard on a pillow. And I'm pretty structured. So for me, I thought, oh, I don't know. How is this going to work? How is this going to work? And what I began to see was that it's not so much flexible seating in that there are no chairs or tables. It's almost more... In, in our classroom that I'm in now, it's more flexibility in how you provide seating, not necessarily a flexible or pliable seat. <laughs> and so for us, it was really, um, for me, it was really neat to see how when you give students control over that aspect mm-hmm. of the environment, I think we're all trying to get these independent thinkers and good problem solvers, but how often are third graders given the opportunity to make choices like that for themselves? Mm -hmm. And so when given the power or the control, they're not necessarily always going to make the best choices for themselves. Mm -hmm. And so being able to provide that for them, and there are times where it's not, they don't make good choices for sure, but allowing them to grow in that way was really, really uh, powerful or is powerful and I think too, it's not something that we couldn't take away. So it kind of works as a classroom management system sure. in and of itself. Well, you, universal universal design design for learning, flexible seating. As you were talking there, and I hadn't thought about this till right now, is really UDS. It's universal design for seating. 
Right. You are yeah. giving kids options. I really yes. like that. I need to trademark yes, that. Yes, you no. should. <laughs> <laughs> but, but because I think that's more accurate. And yes. what you said when people hear, you said that you were a little leery. Mm-hmm. And I've talked with many people, many of our parents mm-hmm. think that, oh, flexible seating means they can do whatever they want. And that there's chaos that is reigning, and and Mm -hmm. like you said, 20 rockers rocking in 20 different directions, and there's going to be no structure. Right. And what you are learning in being in Lori's classroom Mm -hmm. is, yes, there's flexible seating. There's universal design for seating. There's more structure. Yes. In place. There has to be Mm -hmm. more structure Mm -hmm. in place because if not, it's a free-for-all. And, and I like your point that some, it's like, I'm going to give you a choice. You can sit here or here. But if you're not making the best choice, or is that the best choice? And I know yes. that's the question that you ask your students. Yes. Uh-huh. Is that, where's the best place that you're going to be able to learn right uh-huh. now? Yeah. Sometimes it might be on the floor mm-hmm. with a pillow and a clipboard. Yeah. Other times, it's going to need to be at this table with your laptop or, or with your people. And other times, I was the type of student, I would have wanted my desk. Yes. I I was I would have wanted like this is great but can I just have my own personal same. learning yes. space yeah. the same and that's the beauty that a lot I don't think really understand is and we've talked about because we have several teachers on our school who yeah. have some flexible seating options is you have to have that option for the me's for the uh-huh. brents who yes. well I learn best just having my own spot that I don't have to worry about anyone sitting at so we need – you can't just throw out all the – you still have to – flexible means being flexible for the the Brents. Yes. Yes. So yeah. – but right. but it's 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 universal design. You're, you're designing your classroom yes. spatially in a way that will work best for – Yes. And really I think you maximize the space. Let's be oh, honest. Classrooms you, are abs- huge. And we sometimes – some of us have 32 students. Yeah. And desks in rows or in groups, while that's, you know, it is common and it's not a bad practice in my opinion, but it's just crowded. It very, can be. Very crowded. And so having, like in Lori's class, I know not everyone's been in there like you and I, but there are tables. It's not, mm-hmm. we're not sitting, there's not bean bags everywhere. There are bean bags. There's high tables. There's low right. tables. There are bean bags. There's rockers. There are desks. Yes. There's a little of every, there's there are yeah. some there were some couches and yes. and there are times where we say sit at a table. Yep. You're gonna need to be sitting You're at going a table to need, for this. Yep. Pick a seat that's gonna be best for yep. you. So in that assignment, I was you know I just it was a little um, I was a little uncertain, but I was able to really see the value. Awesome. The huge value in flexible seating. Um, and that's something that I hope then to implement in my own classroom. Awesome. Because it is, it's really, really valuable. Yeah. And yeah. whether you have a budget for I know quote unquote yeah. flexible seating, because lo- it's not so much what kind of furniture you mm-hmm. have, it's how you use it. And the teacher being, having the, allowing flexibility. Am I a flexible G- teacher and giving allowing up, you? Yes. Giving up control. Yep. And I and, and as somebody who has talked about it, it's like I was the teacher who liked structure, uh-huh. who liked, I mean, I still do like structure yeah. and order, but yeah. having to relinquish some of that to let kids and now staff yeah. run free yeah. and, and spread their wings and, and grow there, it's not, a, you said at the top, it's not about you. 
it's not about it's me. not about you and it's yeah, not about it's me not, it yeah. needs to be about the kids or yeah. or the staff and the students so yes yeah awesome. I agree that's that's good stuff yeah anything else <sighs> Let's see, you know, something that I really, for me, was a really cool lesson. Um, I have been in special education for years now, and so I have a lot of behavior management Mm -hmm. experience. And so while that did kind of transfer over, it became very clear to me that behavior management is not the same as classroom management. And I think that's a common misconception. Write that down, people. That's good stuff. Trademark that. Trademark that. Yeah, it was. It's not the same. And so for me, I thought, no, I got behaviors down. I've done maladaptive behaviors. I can. I got this. Um, I quickly learned it's not even close to the same thing. Mm -hmm. Um, And I do like structure, but the explicit modeling of procedures. It became very clear how important that was. And Lori is the queen Uh of that and giving them um, just enough information, just the right amount of time so that they know what to do with themselves and providing that structure. It's comfortable for them, too. And so um, I was really able to glean a lot from the way she managed her classroom um, and gain some skills, which... Continuing to again sure. every day. You'll that's continue to better. you'll continue to yeah, refine those. That didn't work. Oops. Yeah. <laughs> you know that didn't work. Let's yeah. try. It. Oh, that worked. So yeah. I mean that's just part of the process. But that was really I I think I kind of thought I got that part down. So I won't have to really focus as much on that. Um, and yeah, it's not the same. It, it's not. <laughs> it's and not. and I I'm so glad to hear you say something like that because I am a firm believer in what you mm-hmm. just said that that mm-hmm. that management and you say management it sounds like we're managing but right. but the structures and procedures yeah. that yes. you said yeah uh that's not by accident if when i walk into classrooms and things are running smoothly and the mm-hmm. kids are on task and the transitions are going mm-hmm. nice and smoothly and there's not wasted instructional time between activities I, I, I really try to point out to the teacher and, and praise him or her to say, I recognize that that's not an accident. Yeah. That kids don't do that by themselves. Right. They don't, they don't, the fact that they got up and they quietly walked to their next station rotation. Mm-hmm. They weren't going outside. They weren't talking with, they did it and they didn't, that's taught explicitly Explicit. taught, Explicitly. especially you're in third grade right now. Yeah. So third graders have to, I used to teach fourth and fifth grade, fourth and fifth graders have to be taught for your high schoolers. Mm-hmm. High schoolers mm-hmm. have to be taught. It, it's, and for anyone who is, is in perhaps the same position you are right now, you're, you're finishing a credential or you're just new, those structures and procedures take the time Yes. at the beginning of the year, take more time sometimes than you think you're going to need. The example I will use is when I taught fourth and fifth, I used to do literature circles. Mm -hmm. Uh, If you're not familiar, literature circles, groups of students, each group reading a different book, different leveled books, different reading levels so that everyone was getting what they needed. So I I may have one group reading Mr. Popper's Penguins, which is on a lower level. I may have another group reading 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea. And there were different activities, jobs we called them that they would do from 
finding rich vocabulary to writing high-level discussion questions. And it took, I would take two plus weeks Mm -hmm. to train students because it was a very independent activity. I needed to know that the 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea group could do this by themselves while I was working with the Mr. Popper's Penguins group Mm -hmm. because I would rotate. And I learned, unfortunately, the wrong or the hard way on the years that I didn't spend as much time, I suffered. Yeah. The group suffered. They didn't know exactly what I expected. They didn't have the procedures down. So I learned over the years was build it on the front end. Put that time in on the front end because it will pay off on the back end. Because right. again, and now in a in a in a role where I walk into classrooms, you can see mm-hmm. when the structures are in place. Right. And you can see where Ooh, maybe maybe we need a little more work refining this. And it's it's just I think sometimes we overestimate what or underestimate what kids need in yeah. terms of the training. That's, yes, that's and, what I was thinking yeah. as you were speaking. I think sometimes I think they gotta have this. They yeah, know they, that. They oh, they're that. third grade now. Yeah. Kinder, yeah, they need a lot. But third, no, they've got that. No, they don't. No. They don't. No. And I need to tell them because if I don't tell them explicitly not to or what to do, they will. If I didn't tell them not to do it, they're going to do it. One of the, <laughs> and this just reminded me, I used to always, when I was when I was teaching, I used to always preface my directions with when I say go. Yeah. Every, when I say go. Yeah. Because then teaching fifth grade, I, could, I would give multi-step directions. All right, boys right. and girls, when I say go, I want you to take out your math book. Take out your 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 journal yeah. and your pencil. No, no, no. Haven't said go. Mm-hmm. Because the problem is if then they'll take out their math book, but they didn't hear me say which page to turn to. Mm-hmm. They didn't hear me say to take out the whatever. When I say go, and I would do it all the time to the point that I didn't even realize I was doing it. Mm-hmm. And I remember one day vividly that I gave a direction and I'm sitting and the kids are just sitting staring at me. And I was I remember guilty now thinking like guys what are you waiting for for you to say go yeah you never told you that. never said go yeah. and i didn't even realize i had it was so right. and it's like that was such like ooh, good right i, I did that procedure so mm-hmm. much that they were trained yes. and you don't you use that word training you don't they're not seals yeah, that you're making right. bark but but we we're 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 we we're yes. training them up in that we treat we train our kids in the way that we want them to behave as adults. Yeah. I had spent the time on the front end and they were waiting for me to say go. Mm-hmm. Even when I didn't realize I didn't say go. Mm-hmm. So Yeah, and as I was you know, I have observations during my student teaching and I remember in my first couple, my my supervisor would say, you need to provide more pacing information or you're pacing, pacing, pacing. And I'm thinking, my pacing's fine, I'm fine. I didn't really realize that he meant providing them information mm-hmm. to pace themselves, to give them boundaries because they're children and they're students and it's comforting. Yeah. You have about 60 seconds exactly. to do this. You give or them when I say go versus two minute, free for all, you do this. Because two, two minute warning. Yep, two exactly. Minute, yep. Um, and so I then became um, 
quite good at it because yeah. he pointed it sure. out. And so I, I really thought you're right. And noticing that is a huge difference, providing them with that. And sometimes it does, you know, you, you fear, am I being too much like a trainer or am I being patronizing or you, that it's kind mm-hmm. of a hard line, but it all kind of boils down. They're looking at you to tell them, what do I need to do? Yeah. Cause there's still children, fifth grade or, you know, kindergarten. That's well, and it's, it's, it's safe. It's safe. It's, it, it's, it feels it, good to it, know what's expected. To, to, yes. And, and I will, another, I had took in my master's program, I remember taking a class and we had to write a paper on something. And I remember the teacher saying, the professor saying, okay, here it is. But she didn't say how long it had to be. Mm. And somebody raised their hand and said, professor so-and-so, how, how long does it have to be? And she wouldn't answer the question. Mm-hmm. And it was such, it would, it would be like a psychology experiment. Yeah. Like you wish there was two-way glass and you had people watching this because the disequilibrium mm-hmm. in the room that was created in the room by adults who wanted parameters yes. but she, that she would not provide. Yeah. She wouldn't, she, and, and literally you could see we're looking at each other like, uh, whoa, whoa, what, what, what do you mean you're not going to tell me how long it has to be? Mm-hmm. Because we've been brought up, well, it needs to be three pages, needs to be five pages, needs to be ten pages. Mm-hmm. Plus, if, I could go into the thing. If there's a grade attached to it, you do need to tell me how long it has to be because I don't want to get marked down. Right, but, right. but it was interesting that even as adults, it yeah. was safe to know what are, ex- what are my exact parameters. And right. they weren't given and we flipped. Yeah. We, we, we couldn't handle it. And I think, and that was for adults. Well, and it gives you a measurable objective, kind of. It yeah. gives you, you know the expectation, and I can meet that if I know it. If I don't know it, if I don't know how long this is supposed to be taking me, or if I didn't tell you, we're only going to get through half of that page. So they're, you know. So they're not only freaked out. Get, oh my yeah, gosh, look at this ca- whole page. We're going to finish the backside tomorrow. Third graders are looking at it like, holy cow, I can't do this. This is too much. I'm giving up. I'm shutting down. Many fifth, seventh, eighth, yes. ninth graders would yes. be looking at a whole thing. I love what you just said. Yeah. That if you, if you got a whole thing, hey, boys and girls, cover up the bottom. We're only doing numbers. Take yep. a deep breath. I mean, I used to do that a lot with my kids. Guys, breathe. Breathe. Relax. We're not doing that. Don't freak out. We're. I love that pacing. Mm-hmm. And I love what you said about just... One of the great things about you is you are so reflective. Mm-hmm. And I think, like you said, I got this down. Like, like mm-hmm. I've got the behavior management mm-hmm. down mm-hmm. Uh, or the pacing. What do you mean? I, I've got – but realized, okay, maybe maybe I don't have it or maybe mm-hmm. I could get better in this. Oh, yeah. And that would be – if anyone's listening out there, it's like if you're not – I think most who are listening to a podcast here – you're there. <laughs> yeah. If you're taking time to listen to an educational podcast, you're probably already there. Yeah. But but it is so important to recognize that, you know what, just because I don't see it doesn't mean it's not there. Mm-hmm. Um, the example I use is the headlight example. When I, when I do observations and go in and, and, and observe teachers, I am seeing it from outside mm-hmm. the vehicle. If you are driving in a car and your headlight is out, inside the car, you don't know right. your headlight is out. Mm-hmm. It is not until the police officer pulls you over or somebody says, did you know your, did you know your, your, your taillight is out or your headlight is out? 
oh my gosh, I didn't even realize it. I can see things sometimes that your supervisor Mm -hmm. saw the pacing that you didn't necessarily see. Mm -hmm. I can see things. Hey, did you know that that Billy in the back is, he's, he's, he's got a really great drawing collection in his desk. Like, I'm not sure. Oh my gosh, I didn't even see that. Because he's not at a, at an angle where you would see him. Yeah. So that's why I'm here letting you know. So Mm -hmm. just being open to a different view a different perspective and I and I say that I like the headlight example but it doesn't even have to be out it might just be askew right the light might be it may not be directly straight mm-hmm. on the road it might it's working but it's just a little it needs some fine tuning it just needs tweaked yeah. a little bit it's like wow yes. it's amazing what you're doing from what I see here's a suggestion yeah. maybe if you tried this I think you're already at a 9 Right. If we tried this, we could get to a 10. Yes. I mean, yeah. or or you're reaching 29 out of your 30 kids, but that but Billy's still drawn in the back. Yeah. Maybe if we tried this, what if maybe we can get Billy on board mm-hmm. too. So Yeah. That's yeah. It's huge. That is huge. We actually we could fun. talk for six or, <laughs> six and seven hours. I'm hour. telling I'm, you, I I've, I've gained a lot from this experience. Well, we have gained again, we we, we still have you. For a while, yes. we, and we and we we want to keep you, but um, thank you for everything you do. Uh, I I mean, from from your your assistant position, special ed assistant position, to what you I know, Lori. If you were here, it'd be a seven hour thing because she'd just be glowing, mm. gushing your praises under deservedly so. So, mm. so Ashley, you are on Twitter, right? Yes, just just newly on Twitter, thanks to you trying. <laughs> You're, teaching me the importance of you, that and I have gleaned a ton. Is it amazing? So, it's amazing. So good. There's yes. so if you follow yeah. the right people like you, yeah. there's a bunch of stuff. Yes. So what is yes. where can people find you on Twitter? On Twitter I'm Ash underscore Burnett. And I'm again, I'm new, so I'm I'm sharing and retweeting and lots of articles and thoughts. I'm awesome. a big thinker and reflector, so I'm always Always digging for more info. Awesome, and yeah, yeah for, for folks who who have already on who are already on Twitter and know the value, Ashley is is somebody you definitely want to follow because she's going places. Mm. She's and I, I I I just wanted to be at our place, but mine I do too. Yes, <laughs> but but uh, we'll see. So, Ashley, again, thank you so much. Thank you. I, absolutely appreciate you and for you taking the time. And I got something out of this, and I'm oh, I'm good. sure. I know other people would have got something out of this too. And for everyone listening, thank you for listening. Uh, If you haven't already done so, as I say every time, be sure to subscribe. You can find us in iTunes, Google Play, Spotify. We're in Stitcher. And uh, if you're looking for a book to read, I'm going to plug my book here because it's my podcast. You should, and it's amazing. Well, I didn't pay her to say that, folks. No, no. But but my book's called Stories of Edu Influence. This whole podcast, but really the book was born out of this podcast of sharing stories. I share in the book stories from my 20 plus years of experience as a teacher and administrator that illustrate the power that Ashley possesses, the power that I possess, the power that our cafeteria workers, our playground aides, anyone who works with kids, you possess life-changing powers. And I wrote the book to share those stories that will hopefully encourage and inspire you and remind you that you do have that power. You do make a difference even when you don't realize it. It's available on Amazon. Just look up uh, Edu Influence. That's E-D-U Influence, all one word. 
Uh, it's available in Kindle, paperback, and Audible. If you just want to listen, I recorded the Audible this summer. So once again, everyone, thank you for listening. Ashley, thank you for being you. Thank you. And until next time, have a good one.